Now, actually, what we're going to do before we uh, we jump into Laura's section, we actually have a little message from Graham that he sent in. Because he has some opinions on Loki, the Disney Plus TV show that just finished a few weeks ago. Now, before we jump into this section, I should actually say that, you know, you are going to hear some spoilers for Loki in what um, Graham is about to say. So I know you haven't seen it yet, Scott. Do you particularly mind? No. <laughs> I'm not, no. I'm not okay, cautious, fair enough. to be honest. It's really good, though. <laughs> it's really good. Not any time anyway. soon, anyway. Fine, fine. I'll tell you what, I'm going to play this, I'm going to let our uh, esteemed colleague have his say, and then me and Laura, we're going to hash it out. Here we go. Hello everyone, apologies for my absence, but I couldn't miss taking part in this episode with our reaction to uh, the Marvel series Loki on Disney+. Plus. Um, so obviously... I'm not here due to uh, things going on, uh, newborn and all, uh, but uh, I hope uh, Scott and uh, Simon are doing a fantastic job, I'm sure of. Um, but yeah, Loki, so uh, watched it uh, when it finished and also watched the additional um, Assembled episode, which has a great hour-long sort of documentary on the making of. It gives some really good insight, so I do recommend also watching that if uh, you're really interested in the series. Um, first reactions are really enjoyed it um, a lot like uh, the WandaVision uh, series um, where it really does feel as if it's doing a lot of heavy lifting with the uh, setting up for phase four uh, but at the same time a very nicely self-contained series uh, progressing the character of Loki along really well um, the one thing I would say it's, I do find it slightly difficult to praise these Disney Plus series and the fact that they're all all part of an ongoing saga um, and it's doing all the setting up for phase four of the MCU um, but contained in its own six episode little bubble um, I thought the set design was superb. Um, I thought what they did with the characters, the way they introduced um, a new set of characters as well, particularly Owen Wilson's Mobius, um, really good. And uh, props go out for Richard E. Grant as a classic Loki. I think uh, all in all, the, the episodes set up really nicely, uh, going through one through six. A um, couple of standouts are in uh, the episode three, uh, Lamentus, which even though it gets a the smallest uh, review, like rating from IMDb. Um, the big talking point is like the in brackets single shot uh, take um, where they're running through uh, the the city. Um, I thought that was really impressive. Just the short, how much shows how much money Disney are putting into the production. Um, I think uh, it sort of stands head and shoulders over. Um, the other Marvel Disney Plus series so far in terms of just spectacle, um, but bearing in mind it is obviously something more set sci-fi in the different universes and so forth, uh, but really enjoyed that. One thing as well that I thought was really interesting, it, it picked up also in the uh, Assembled documentary, um, is how classically Marvel tend to end like their finals or the last third of their films their series is the big showdown um, I thought it was really good that it was episode 5 which was the more kind of big showdown piece the big CGI uh, bit with the uh, I can't remember the name of the, the monster on the planet um but then also the introduction of all the different Lokis. Um, I thought that was really good, how they then, then transitioned into episode six, which was a lot more understated, and introducing um, He Who Remains, brackets, 
Kang. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see what they go on with uh, Jonathan Major's character if he is being set up as the next big villain for the Marvel Cinematic Universe or if it's going to progress solely within the Disney Plus sort of series of things. So a lot of questions, but the reactions are really positive. Um, so leading on from this, it's now where we go from here because the next of the Marvel series we've got coming up is the animated series of What If, which will go into uh, the different multiverse aspects of the Marvel characters and franchise. We've then got the Hawkeye series, uh, which will follow sometime shortly after that. And then at Christmas, we've got Spider-Man No Way Home, where we know that uh, Doctor Strange is going to be involved. And then also we've got then Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So Loki definitely does seem to be setting up the wider cinematic universe with all the different tangents that it could possibly go in um, with what we know that's happening in Doctor Strange and Spider-Man so it's whether my big question is is Kang going to be the the main next Marvel villain or have they got someone else in mind because it it is going to be really sort of pushing boundaries if they're going to have a TV series setting up the cinematic side of things because I don't know what the actual ratings are but You've got to imagine that every big Marvel fan is going to have Disney Plus to see these series, but your average Joe on the street might not necessarily watch the series when they go to see the films at the cinema. So it'd be interesting to see how many of the seeds of what's being set up in the TV series are being put into the cinematic universe. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'll be looking forward to listening in on the episode and uh, hope to be back with you guys soon. But uh, all the best and thank you. Yes, and thank you so much, Graham. Lovely to hear your voice and I hope you're doing well. Um, me and you have watched this, Laura, and I'm going to start by saying I absolutely loved it, and I think it's probably my favourite Marvel thing ever, bar the last two Avengers movies, which I'll always have a special place in my heart, but I thought this was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I really wasn't expecting to be as phenomenally impressed by this as I was, and I was expecting Jonathan Majors to be Kang. I'd read that he mm -hmm. was cast as Kang at some point last year, but in the comics, He Who Remains is a different character. So I mm -hmm. think it's really interesting with boundless potential choice that they've chosen to merge the two. I'm anticipating seeing him an awful lot in yes. uh, the Marvel product to come. I hope he has range as well because. I know his performance there is kind of like very wacky and it's all kind of like, you have two options. Yes. That is literally his performance, Scott. It's like, this guy is like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain and he's just like, ooh, I'm going to, I have no idea what's going on now. <laughs> that kind of vibe. But basically the, the, the concept is that variants of him and his character are going to come and descend upon uh, our heroes and stuff so it's just going to be like this guy's going to be playing about six or seven different characters in all these different movies it's going to be so cool i can't wait it's going to be wild and uh, he's clearly having a blast doing it um yeah. the only other thing i saw him in was lovecraft country mm -hmm. and i would say based upon that evidence he certainly has range but on the subject of that show must also Shout out one me Masaku's performance in Loki. Um, mm -hmm. Wonderful to be watching a Disney Plus show and thinking about the great HBO thing of last year constantly that should should have got a second series. Damn it, it should. <laughs> and 
how wonderful is it to see Guga Mabutha Raw getting a big role? I mean, San Junipero, the episode mm-hmm. of Black Mirror, she did all the emotional heavy lifting in. That was three, four years ago now. And I don't know how many years before that she was Martha Jones's sister in Doctor Who. But You're absolutely right. I forgot about that. For such a wonderful actress, why has it taken 10 years for her to happen? I'm very glad that Marvel found her. Yeah. And she's got a lot to do going forward as well. Absolutely. Um, and that's the thing as well. I think what I'm actually very excited about, and I know it's kind of like cynical in a corporate way, but it's all the stuff that's going to happen now. Yeah. Because they really have just like unshackled themselves and just gone, you know what? This franchise isn't actually about MacGuffins anymore. It's about crazy comic book lore. Yes. And what we're going to do is we're just going to unleash all the fun stuff and it's just going to be a bit nuts. And everything is going to be chaos for at least the next 10 films. And I'm like, yes, please, more of that. Bring it. More of that. Absolutely. Thinking about Richard E. Grant, though. So between Loki and his character in Logan, mm-hmm. is he the only actor apart from Matt <coughs> to be in two different Marvel films? I Except who? Might. Matt Damon. He's Matt two, Damon. All oh, right. Okay. I see. Oh, because yeah, that. Um, yeah. That, uh, yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. We don't mention his name this week, but the internet will forget, I'm sure. <laughs> well, hang on a minute. So he's actor Loki, and he's also. He's in the second Deadpool film, isn't oh, he? Oh, of course he is. Yes. Um, that's a big question, Laura. Um, I don't actually know. But basically, you know, MCU actors and non-MCU movies is something that we're going to cover in a little bit. But before we actually get into that, one thing that I would like to say that disappointed me about Loki is that at no point did Owen Wilson utter the words, wow. (laughs) Uh, There were numerous occasions where that could have happened, but it just didn't. Maybe they're saving it for season two, but still, you know, it was a disappointment, I have to say. But, now, this is my trump card for this episode, guys, alright? Through my network of celebrity connections that I've established, I've managed to get access to an exclusive clip from some of the workshopping that was done at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic between director Kate Herron, Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, and a very special guest star. Now, bearing in mind that the clip that you're about to hear is a rough draft, stitched together with audio recorded in isolation by the cast and using a selection of free sound effects from the BBC Sound Effects Library. So it doesn't sound as dramatically interesting as it would have been actually on screen, but it's also a deleted plotline for the series, so it doesn't quite match up with what we know and what we've seen so far. But it does nonetheless include Owen Wilson saying the word, wow, are you guys ready to hear it? Scott, don't you dare doubt me right now. I'm done with anticipation. <laughs> Let's roll the tape. You know, Loki, variants like you don't come along too often. I mean, I've seen all different kinds of Lokis. Lokis who really mess stuff up down here, but you are just fine and dandy. <laughs> A little puppy dog compared to the rest. You don't have to send so condescending, Mobius. I might just be rolling over and letting you scratch my tummy because I'm waiting for your hand to come near my mouth. In that case, wow, am I scared. (laughs) Maybe you should be. You don't know what lies in my future, and maybe I do. Well, we've got time to work that out. (laughs) 
Very funny. Is that a TVA standard issue pun you just used on me? It's a classic, what can I say? What are we even doing down here, anyway? I want to show you something special, okay? Now, the TVA isn't watertight. We're existing outside of time, so every now and again, a branch smashes into the side of us, and sometimes some pretty interesting variants just fall into our lap. Oh, I see. You're taking me to get to know myself better. Not exactly. What was that? Right on time. Mobius, what was that? It better not be what I think it is. Hello, brother! What? Wow, okay, I didn't expect that. Hulk Hogan, wow. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Hulk, where? That's not the Hulk. No, Hulk Hogan, the wrestler from the 1980s. <clears throat> Excuse me, I meant, hello, brother. That's more like it, brother. I mean, guys, I know that didn't make a lot of sense, but, you know, for context, they managed to get Chris Hemsworth on call from the rehearsals of the upcoming Hulk Hogan biopic, which hasn't actually gone into production yet, but it's still in the pipeline. So, you know, there's a little bit of an Easter egg for any, you know, wrestling heads out there. Oh, yeah, brother. Oh, yeah, that brother. <laughs> so if you're curious as to how I got that, I've been in touch with Christopher Lambert recently, but more on that to come. But he put me in touch with his Highlander co-star, Clancy Brown, playing the Kurgan, of course. And then he, in turn, put me in touch with his Thor Ragnarok co-star, Tom Hiddleston. And now the rest is history. So I hope I've managed to put enough citations on that to convince you that that actually was a real rehearsal clip and not just me goofing around in the, uh, in, in the sound lab here. Because I never have and I never will. I love and appreciate you guys too much for that. Yeah, a little bit of tumbleweed there from, from Scott, at least. I don't know, Laura I looks beamed. like she's convinced. I beamed. I yeah. appreciated that enormously. Good. Um, I mean, good. I mean, the, 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 the sound they might have had COVID at that time because the voices sounded a bit different, but... Uh, but like yeah. I said, it was, it was um, yeah. recorded during the pandemic. Yeah, so. as you know, COVID can affect your throat and that, so... Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure they were just uh, all, um, all uh, feeling the effects of... Uh, yeah. Of COVID, yeah. Well, there could be. James yeah. Ellis Deakin says every podcast, doesn't she? We're connecting through Zoom, so bear that in mind when you consider the call quality. Exactly, exactly. I am so surprised that uh, how much uh, Tom Hiddleston sounds a bit like you, Simon. I think that's, that's, that's something quite <laughs> remarkable. You know what? There's something yeah. the matter with your ears. You think that's that everybody just, sounds uh, like me. Yeah, you uh, just have an archetypal voice. It's kind of a... A nondescript, uh, like a Rosetta Stone kind of voice. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'll take that as a compliment. Please do. But anyway, well, moving okay. on from Loki. Wasn't necessarily um, meant what... as one, but you can have it. <laughs> sure, whatever. Thanks. Moving on from Loki, however, um, we were talking about the non-MCU movie that has the most MCU actors in it. Now, this initially came up because of the Hurt Locker. Uh, starring four, so we're talking um, Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie, Evangeline Lilly, and Guy Pearce, all in one movie. And we're thinking, well, okay, let's let's have a look. Let's see how many other movies actually have so many in them. 
and you guys got in touch. So initially we had Kevin get in touch via Instagram who said Zodiac surely comes close. So you've got Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo and Jake Gyllenhaal in that. Our very own Graham commented saying that the Spike Lee remake of Old Boy has four. Elizabeth Olsen, Josh Brolin, Samuel Jackson and Pom Clementiev. Wind River has three. Renner, Olsen and Bernthal. If you're counting Punisher, I don't know, are we counting that in the MCU? Uh, well, it is Marvel, so uh, yeah, I, I think we'll uh, just about count us. Yeah. It's as MCU as Original Blade is, isn't it? <laughs> sort of, but are we really counting Original Blade as well? <laughs> hey, that's fighting talk. I'll not have a word against Original Blade. I love the Original Blade. I'm just saying it's not part of the same story that the MCU is from <laughs> yet. Yet. I mean, you know, this whole Loki thing could change everything. But we also had a few other people comment in saying, um, well, Daniel said The Hobbit. So we're talking Martin Freeman, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andy Serkis, Lee Pace, Evangeline Lilly, Hugo Weaving. And then he put on a second question saying, was Richard Armitage in an MCU film? He was. Yeah, he was the he's in. Yeah, Kruger. In, yes, in uh, Captain America First Avenger. So that was seven. And then he forgot about Kate Blanchett. So that turned out to be eight. So that was Carl Urban. Carl Urban's in um, one of the Tolkien films, isn't he? He's in Lord of the Rings, but if we're counting that, I think that's got like six. Mm. But then we also had Stephen comment on Facebook saying that The Martian also has eight. So we have Matt Damon, Javette Legiafor, Sebastian Stan, Michael Peña, Donald Glover, Benedict Wong, Enzo Silenti, and Kate Mara, who is very briefly in Iron Man 2. Now, before you guys jump in with any suggestions for which ones might come close to that, I have one that has just beaten everything else. So do you want to say yours first, if you have any? Mine was going to be The Martian. Oh, right. So the eighth. Well, I'll tell you what, that would have been top if this other film hadn't come out in the past week. (laughs) So... As you might be aware, James Gunn has just directed The Suicide Squad and he's taken quite a lot of his uh, Guardians of the Galaxy friends and co-stars and also MCU friends over into the DC universe. So this immediately makes it a non-MCU film, categorically. So in this we have Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, uh, Sean Gunn, Idris Elba, where are we going down from here? Sylvester Stallone, David Dasmalchian. So seven we're on now. Um. Oh, hang on a second. Is there only going to be eight? Oh no, this is embarrassing. <laughs> uh, Taika Waititi. But oh no, there has to be nine. Oh guys, I messaged you this really excitedly the other night, saying, "Guys, this is it. This is the answer." But I think I might have only just. Uh, yeah, it's eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's still significant progress from the Hurt Locker, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's twice the amount. So it's joint first at the top with the Martian and the Battle and of Five Armies. How much fun is it to unpick once you set your mind to this? When I realised about the Martian, I was just like, oh, yeah. So they many. They were all tumbling out of my subconscious. <laughs> oh, gosh, have I... Yeah, I really have miscounted this. Right. Never mind, I will backtrack on that one. (laughs) But there you go. The Suicide Squad is up there with the other two. So that is uh, all right by me. So basically here, thank you so much again for getting in touch. Oh, hang on a second. 
I think... No, I was right with nine. <laughs> because Steve uh, Agui, who plays the onset uh, King Shark, is also in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 as one of the Ravagers. So there we go, nine. I was correct. Well done. I backtracked on my backtrack, so... <laughs> okay, we well, may uh, continue now. I'm proud of you, Simon. Thanks. Very proud. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a waste of time. We, 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 we saw the hope drain from you, and then we saw it come back. I know. It, 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 it was tr- truly emotional. Oh, what an inspiring moment. What an inspiring moment. Laura, do you have your picks for this week? I do. Do Graham Proud. In the spirit of embracing paternity cover, my first film is about parenthood. Mm. So if you trundle off to the iPlayer, you'll find Greta Gerwig's 2017, from, to my mind, a masterpiece, Lady Bird. Now, personal experience, we hadn't seen it. It got to Oscar night, February 2018. So myself and my then 13-year-old went to see it. Beautiful, beautiful film. Practically wanted to cheer at the screen. Sisha Ronan is hard work, but (laughs) it's a glorious, glorious performance. You watch it as an adult woman, and that is the teenager I wish I'd been. (laughs) And of course, subsequently, Timothy Chalamet's profile has been raised quite considerably, and we've all been charmed by Beanie Feldstein in Booksmart. (laughs) Watching again in... 2021 with a now 16 year old daughter the thing that stands out for me about that film is uh, the words on Lady Bird's cast if I was going to describe the film to somebody in one sentence I'd say F you mom um, <laughs> that doesn't begin to do it justice um, Laurie Metcalf I've never loved her more I believe the first time I ever saw her was when I was a kid watching Desperately Seeking Susan. She has the iconic line, Well, take a Valium like a normal person. (laughs) And Great advice. Yeah, absolutely. Words to live by. Um, Many years she was Roseanne's sister. She's the mum in the Toy Story franchise. I can remember going to see the first one as an 18-year-old, hearing her voice. I mean, yeah, of course, Laurie Metcalf is the Toy Story (laughs) mum. And she's just the best mum ever in this film. The dialogue is amazing. All the things that mothers perhaps wish they didn't say to their exasperating teenage spawn, she actually says them. I I love this film. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. And if you've yet to go there, it's on the iPlayer. Cannot recommend highly enough. But yeah, the difference between watching with a 13-year-old and watching with a 16-year-old, you really understand the whole F you mom a bit more because you've <laughs> lived it for a few years. Oh, I'm sure she doesn't really hate you that hard. <laughs> Not all the time. Not all the time. Um, and if we can skedaddle over to all four, having already given it a shout out in respect of the Antonia Bird film I mentioned earlier, we have Asif Kapadia's Amy from 2015, mm-hmm. which they broadcast recently to commemorate the 10th anniversary of her death. It's a film you should see, but I'm loath to say you'll enjoy it. It's quite a difficult watch in the sense that you feel almost complicit watching 
the scenes of her being papped frantically, her and her husband, it's very claustrophobic, it's very upsetting. I remember the first time I saw it, I almost had to switch it off. But it reclaims her as well. Um, there's, you know, beautiful, beautiful footage of her recording the vocal, the, the song Back to Black, and expressing how spooked she is. See it? It's incredibly moving, but be warned that it's, uh, you know, it's a tough 100 minutes or so of your mm. life. But if you have a passing interest in music or popular culture, yeah, you, you must. So on, I on all four for the foreseeable, you owe it to yourself and to her to have a look at it. Continuing in the vein of must-sees, but rather challenging... 2021 marks the 20th anniversary of Spielberg's artificial intelligence. Okay, yeah. Which you can currently access if you've got a Now Movies Pass as part of your package through Sky Cinema. Or Netflix. It's on Netflix as well. Mm -hmm. Marvellous. Like a lot of people, I didn't quite get this film at the time. Uh, it's Spielberg finishing a Kubrick project, an adaptation of the 1969 Brian Aldiss story, Super Toys Last All Summer Long. Haley Joel Osment, who at the time was the kid from The Sixth Sense, is an android created for a grief, well, a family who are preemptively grieving. Their son is in cryogenic suspension. I almost don't want to go too much into the plot. It's just... I haven't seen it, so please don't. No. <laughs> um, it's 20 years old, and a lot of things that we have seen in the interim, you know, judgments on reality TV and building them up, knocking them down, culture. Looking at it now, it's, it's extraordinary. It's... Uh, a lot of what you see on screen... We've seen played out again and again and again in the last 20 years, be that the reality shows, the way people are treated afterwards. I'm a sucker for a robot movie. Aforementioned 16-year-old's first cinema experience at the age of three was Pixar's Wally. Hmm. I'm an emotional wreck about robots at the best of times. This is a tough tough watch but it's beautiful and if you have a passing interest in Kubrick or Spielberg you absolutely have to see it but you may cry an awful awful lot I think and you're you beginning may... to cry right now you're moving me to tears Blumenick. what's going on it's you must see it and then there's an amazing conversation going on across Twitter and Reddit. Just a lot of people saying, do you know what? I didn't get this at the time. But actually, it's amazing. Yeah, hmm. go there. Please do go there, but have tissues at the ready. And, you know, maybe a spirit of choice afterwards. Because, yeah, it's not it's not an Amblin Entertainment cutesy E.T. logo sort of a film at all. It is dark. Right. Cool. We love to see and cry. Yes. Right. Beautiful, but not necessarily tear-jerking. Skipping back to all four again. We have Vim Fender's 1987 Wings of Desire. Mm. 
angels above Berlin, one of whom desperate to become mortal, to see what humans see, to feel the curve of a neck. They describe themselves, um, their maxim is assemble, testify and preserve. But Damiel just gets more and more covetous of the human experience. Reading up in preparation for tonight, um, I discovered something I'd never known before, that a lot of it was inspired by the poetry of uh, Rilke. If you remember the poem on screen at the very end of Jojo Rabbit, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, no feeling is final. Learning that and looking again at this film, I was just like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And Bruno Gantz, particularly those of us who grew, were raised by the internet, essentially, you need to know that face as something other than a million Hitler memes. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself to all four and get Bruno Gans's angel face <laughs> embedded yeah. in your mind. It's gorgeous isn't a good enough word. It's wrap yourself up in this world, this world of angels in big, impeccably tailored coats wafting around libraries. It's just, it's a dream. You could fall asleep watching this film. In a good way. Every night of your life. It's wonderful. Mm, lovely. You could do a lot worse with your evening. Absolutely. You can also be uh, utterly confused when you see that uh, Peter Falk of Columbo fame is in the film as well, which is a bit is bizarre. He? <laughs> yeah. He is. <laughs> no he... way. And there is the most amazing. It's like, oh, he looks like. Col I forget the exact line. But uh, it's like, no, nah, can't be Columbo. He's too scruffy. Or not scruffy. I, I forget the exact line, but it's it's glorious. Absolutely <laughs> glorious. And, you know, if you want a human guide in a film about angels, Peter Falk is the man. Yeah, man. Let's go for it. Come into my house on a Sunday afternoon and you can't move for Peter Falk on the television. <laughs> right? I believe that is... Oh, in fact... I do beg your pardon, gentlemen. Completely forgot. If I'm filling in for Graham, yeah. it'd be remiss of me to not discuss Talking Picks TV. The, re the only reason to still own a television, in my opinion. So coming up on Monday the 9th of August, we have, I think, probably one of the most modern films I've seen in the listings. But it is 25 or so years old now. To Die For, Monday the 9th of August at 9pm. Now, when I first saw this film, Kidman was still very much married to Tom Cruise. It was an insane experience. I was watching her thinking, wow. So she's just this ruthlessly ambitious weather girl with a lovable, dopey husband it just wants her to get involved in the family business, pop out a few babies, but uh, she can't have that. So she hatches a cunning plan. With the aid of three youngsters, she'd been making a terribly earnest documentary about in a bid to further her career. This film, uh, it was the director Gus Van Sant's first collaboration with a major studio as well. It's so... It's such a bold move for all concerned, mm. really. Looking at it now in the context of where everyone was at when it came out, it's just 
Wow. And you look at Nicole Kidman now, uh, you know, Margot Robbie since, all these spiky female anti-heroes. You know, you could think, wow, uh, you know, present day, Nicole Kidman in this film invented those performances. Right. I can remember at the time reading that they desperately wanted Meg Ryan, but no, nah, <laughs> Nicole Kidman just, she's extraordinary in this film. Possibly the first time I ever saw young Joaquin Phoenix as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought he was in it. It's just, oh, it's extraordinary. And, you know, Buck Henry, who wrote The Graduate, did the screenplay for this oh. because he really wanted to work with Van Sant because he loved Drugstore Cowboy and My Own Private Idaho. I, yeah, you have no excuse on Monday night. Get thee to a tel Channel 81 on your TV at 9pm. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. You it's... could say that it is to die for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go on. It's, it, you will have so much fun with this movie. It's just, oh God, yeah. I'm for real now. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and then, Sunday the 15th of August, one for the Nocturnal crew. I don't know if I'll be around or if I'll be on a sleeping at work, but if I'm at home, I'll certainly be making the time for it. We have the 1968 masterpiece, Witchfinder General, with Vincent Price and Ian Ogilvy. So, English Civil War, Matthew Hopkins, self-appointed Witchfinder, evil scumbag terrorises folk it's was the beginning of the second wave of Edgar Allan Poe movies I love this film this film is vile it's so so horrible and uncomfortable to watch and yet I can't take my eyes off the screen a story I really love about the production is the young director, Michael Reeves, was trying to goad Vincent Price repeatedly just to really pull the nastiness out of him. So at one point, Price retorts with, Young man, I've made 84 films. What have you done? <laughs> Reeves responds, I've made three good ones. And that shut him up. And Whoa. they were thick as thieves ever after. Owned. God, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, <laughs> to have the confidence to say that to Vincent Price. Yeah. It's unspeakably horrible, but it's glorious. And you must. If you haven't, you really, really must. And thinking back to what I was saying about working on a Villeneuve adaptation of June being the dream job, I used to dabble in cosplay when my child was younger. Costume design on this film literally the greatest job ever mm. i get so much joy every time i look at how impeccably turned out vincent price is maybe one day i'll walk around a comic con dressed as vincent price and which find a general yeah we'll see yeah, i'd certainly see love the true to fans. <laughs> i remember um wasn't reffin attached to a remake of which find a general for a little while he's he's had the rights to it for a couple of years now yeah Ah, uh, well, do something with it then, Nicholas. <laughs> Let's be hoped. Let's be hoped. Yeah. Did you hear that he's also got a Maniac Cop in production as a TV yes, show? Yes. Now that I did hear. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really... 
I mean, actually, Maniac Cop and Witchfinder General are two films that I'm not massive fans of, but I'm very excited to see them remade, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, am I right in thinking also that there's a lot of romance in Witchfinder General as well? It is quite young and lovely yeah. in places. Uh-huh. And then you've got like this, the sequences of Vincent Price going around just like torturing fools. And it's just about like, whoa, okay, we're in this movie now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, Michael Reeves died a year or so after this film was made. Oh. He was only like 23, 24. And I understand it was, you know, barbiturates and alcohol and such. It's just, it's extraordinary, really. It's such a nasty, nasty film. And yet the scenes with Ian Ogilvy and his sweetheart and the ceremony, wedding ceremony he devises, it's just delightful. Mm -hmm. It really isn't, it's it's so incredibly sweet in places. Mm -hmm. That's why I think I was a bit taken aback by it. I think I was only about 16 when I watched it, so I was thinking, like, kind of, uh, I just want to see some more torture, please. And then I just didn't vibe with the uh, the romance stuff. <laughs> no, no, it's it's as ill-placed as it is in your average Game of Thrones episode. Right, yes, but... yes, nice comparison. But I suppose they needed to punctuate the unrelenting, the horribleness yeah. of it all, yes. Ah, well, fair play. So when's that on, Laura? That's on Sunday the 15th of August at half past 12. Delightful. 86 minutes, 80 of which are very grim indeed, but (laughs) do it if you haven't. It's marvellous. It's got one of the best titles ever as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Did either of you go to the Screen Age Kicks one? I didn't, sadly. There's a Screen Age Kicks of Witchfinder General. There was, and it was only because our best friends in the world were getting married the next day that we weren't there. Oh, but that no is way. the one. That is the one we wouldn't have missed for the world otherwise. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I don't think we've mentioned Screen Age Kicks on the podcast before. So, do you want to explain a little bit about what that is and why we miss it so much? Right. Screen Age Kicks is a collective of people who absolutely door movies and stage immersive screenings of them in locations around Newcastle that are kind of suitable to the film setting. So I didn't attend, but I hear wonderful things about their Reservoir Dogs, which are they staged in the boiler shop. My gateway drug was Blade Runner at the Discovery Museum. Oh, wow. My husband and I walked in with just jaws agape. It was wonderful. Yeah. We had no idea what to expect. We'd never attended anything quite like this before. We'd walked in assuming that the very obvious choice for cosplay would be Pris. The love and care gone into everyone's costumes. You know, a few sort of uh, very obviously male, hairy-bellied Zoras. The humour, the TLC of it all. (laughs) I think my personal favourite was when they staged... Apocalypse Now, a battle zone laser in Team Valley in Gateshead. Yeah, I heard that one was amazing and I'm really gutted I couldn't go. It was so intense and so immersive. I felt on the verge of a panic attack pretty much all night. It was extraordinary. So two men behind it, Christian and Paul. The cast 
a prominent role in the cast generally goes to Christian's brother Kyle, who was an amazing coppola, the Night of Apocalypse Now. Mm. Um, he was a fantastic penguin when they did Batman Returns. Zowie, Lois, Sam, Leo, Kevin, Leo, yeah. <laughs> All the they're essentially a non-biological family of people who adore film yeah. and want to share their enthusiasm with the good people of Newcastle. Yeah. The last one I attended was American Psycho, Halloween twenty nineteen oh, at amazing. Civic Center. Yeah, wasn't that the last one that they did? I mean, obviously, because after that point, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> Very practical to do that sort of event. But yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I think that year it was American Psycho, Labyrinth, which I didn't attend, mm -hmm. and then Valentine's Day with Screen A, Kix Presents, True Romance nice. at the Assembly Rooms. Decent. Lovely. Yeah. They had an Elvis marrying people and everything. <laughs> but I, I can't recommend them enough. Yeah. And if anything, these events are under-attended they never make money on them. They always make a loss, but they do it for the love. And in fact, when they had planned a Twin Peaks event to coincide with season three, CBS poked their oar in at the 11th hour. So they had to refund all the ticket holders. Um, and they just put on a free screening of Blue Velvet in the Riverside. Yeah. And everyone came along in costume still. And it just... That was I magic, wish... that. It was absolute magic. Yeah, I wish I could be more articulate about how wonderful they are and how much I miss them, yeah. but they are glorious. And it's incredibly rewarding when you think back to one you attended five years ago and you later meet and befriend people. Like, I always remember Simon's costume from their staging of uh, Hodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. Oh, I. Oh, and when I. we first met, I was like, oh, wow, that was you. Really, you remember my costume from that? I do, I do. <laughs> For context, guys, I went as the guy at the end of Holy Mountain who uh, has the cheetah heads uh, lactating out of his nipples. And uh, basically for that, I just had a black T-shirt which I'd cut sort of holes where my nipples would be and just stuffed two soft toys out of it. And people were just looking at me like the whole night, just like, what? And then I was like, no, you'll see, you'll see. And then I remember in the final 10 minutes of the film where those cheetah heads come out in full, uh, <laughs> in their full glory, let's say, loads of people just turned to me and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was proud of that one. Like I say, it's the attention to detail. When you spot other people dressed up and you notice the details on their costume, yeah. it's very much a one of us, one, one of, of us, us one of moment. us, yeah. Awesome. I miss them terribly, yes. and I want them to come back soon. Well, I'll tell you what, if they do come back soon, we will be sure to post on our social media platforms to let you know about it, because, you know, we're a Newcastle-based podcast. Um, I don't know, I like to think we've got a nice little family around us in our own way. Um, but, yes, so if you want a, a, a podcast, a screen-age kick kind of get-together, let's do that one day. Absolutely. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Look to the future. I haven't been to any of their events, but uh, certainly the, the, the two of you give a very uh, passionate account of, uh, oh, yeah. of their activities. I think, uh, yeah, people will be very enthused by it. Yeah. Um, I think you'd like. I, them. I think. The, I mean, I think they do like uh, hot fuzz in uh, in the Morrison's and Cowgate. <laughs> 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 but 
Yeah, we'll see what that's a great idea. You should absolutely pitch it <laughs> because uh, Summerfield, which is the supermarket in Hot Fuzz, no longer exists. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's right. They've had Batman on the uh, up the very top of the castle before, and a bat signal. I wouldn't put it past them to be able to push something sinister off to make us come a cropper, a la Adam Buxton. <laughs> May he rest in peace. Speaking of our little family, though, I just wanted to thank everyone who voted for us in the British Podcasting Awards. We unfortunately did not get a sausage, but, you know, we're still young and we've still got a small but affectionate community around us, i.e. you. So thank you for fighting the good fight and giving us a chance to be the little podcast that could. Uh, So, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for that before we wrap up today. There's always Um, next year. Always next year, indeed. And who knows what heights we'll go to this year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout out to She Lives Alone, which you might remember we interviewed the filmmakers behind that um, last November. The filmmakers at Above the Line and Candle and Bell. So we had the director, Lucy Rose, and the producer, Maria Caruana Galizia, on board. She Lives Alone has uh, just come on to uh, YouTube on Alta, the uh, horror streaming service. They release uh, new short films every Tuesday and every Thursday. And uh, this Tuesday, it was She Lives Alone. We are recording this on Wednesday the 5th of August. And already it has about 29,000 views. So if you want to add to that, (laughs) I guess just go along. Type in She Lives Alone and you'll have a really uh, fun little spooky movie on your hands and we hope you enjoy it too. Other than that though, have we got anything more to add tonight guys? Well I think we'll, I think I'm sure you'll do this anyway but uh, I just want to thank Laura, Laura for uh, joining us today uh, tonight. Uh, she's done a very uh, good job in Graham's absence Yes, of and course. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a very valued and appreciated contribution to our podcast so uh, we thank you Laura for yes. joining us. It- it's the only Thank time that you. I've ever had a tear in my eye on a podcast as well. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Laura. Cracking. It's uh, a pleasure to be keeping his seat warm. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, you know, you might be back. You might be back. We never know. We never know. We like to have uh, different people on as well, kind of spices everything up. So let's let's see where this goes, shall we? In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. See you later, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. Cheers now. Bye-bye.